When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today's guest expert is Charmaine Chan. Charmaine has worked as a journalist in Australia, Japan, and Hong Kong. She became the South China Morning Post's design editor in 2005, having been its literary, deputy features, and behind-the-news editor. Charmaine is the author of Courtyard Living, Contemporary Houses of the Asia-Pacific. At the time of the Tokyo subway sarin attack in 1995, Charmaine was working at the Asahi Evening News, the English-language arm of Japan's Asahi Shinbun newspaper. She has an MA in Japanese Studies from SOAS University of London. Let's hear what she has to say about the 1995 Tokyo Metro sarin gas attack. Hi, Charmaine. Thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. So you lived in Tokyo at the time of the sarin attack. What was it like? Um, can you tell us about your experience having lived through that and perhaps later your obsession with um, Aum Shinriko? It was a really scary and surreal time because of cascading events, and many of them were violent. You know, there was blanket news coverage. There, was, there were tens of thousands of police mobilized. 
there was constant fear that something else terrible was going to happen. Now, Shoko Asahara, who was the leader of um, Shinrikyo, he had predicted a natural disaster happening on April the 15th, about three or four weeks after the subway attack. And people were on tenterhooks. Shops didn't open on that day. And, you know, some Arm Shinrikyo members took it upon themselves to try to make that happen. And then, to make things worse, there were copycat crimes. So um, it was just one thing after another. It seemed like almost every day something was, was going to happen. And it was going to affect you. I mean, um, I remember terrible instances of, for example, uh, substances um, capable of producing cyanide gas was found uh, in the toilet, in the men's toilet, I think, in Shinjuku Station, which is one of the busiest train stations in the world. And then the, the on television, we saw, you know, an arm Shinrikyo leader being stabbed by a Yakuza gangster. We, um, we saw the head of police being shot. Um, they, so much violence. And then um, for anyone who caught uh, trains to and from work, and that's probably most people, uh, there were mugshots of armed members uh, that police were trying to find. And these were plastered over walls in all the stations. And one by one, as these people were apprehended, there'd be these black crosses over their faces. So, you know, all, all this just fed the fear and the media coverage also exacerbated this fear. And then you saw really strange images on television of uh, police carrying cages of um, canaries uh, to warn them against noxious gases. As I said, it was surreal. That is terrifying. So how how well known was Aum Shinrikyo um, in Japan at the time, uh, did people did ha, did people know about it? Well, they were not unknown. Um, popular is a strange word to use in this um, instance. They claimed ten thousand members uh, at the time, and that was in Japan. And there were apparently as many in Russia and the U.S. Um, just uh, for sake of comparison. Uh, probably the largest Japanese new religion, Tsukagakai, had about 10 million members around the world. Um, what did people know about Aum Shinrikyo? Um, you know, years before the subway attack, um, 25 Aum Shinrikyo members uh, stood for election in the lower house of the Japanese diet, the legislature. And um, they were um, staging a kind of entertainment shows outside train stations and um, maybe we can talk about that later but it was just really embarrassing for Japanese people to to see these um, uh, Aum Shinrikyo members in strange get-ups you know in masks in Ganesha masks and huge Shoko Asahara masks so as I said before they, they were not unknown. Now as uh, you know, I know you're not technically an expert um, on uh, Alm, but uh, as someone who has been interested in the group for some time, um, could you give us some background on the roots of, of this new religion and its leader, Shoko Hasahara? So at the time of the subway attack, he was 40 years old. So he was born in 1955, a different name. 
Um, he was legally blind, although I've read an account by one of his drivers who said that um, he could see well enough to hit a baseball. Who knows? Uh, he was one of uh, seven children born to a tatami mat maker in Kyushu. He dabbled in acupuncture and he, uh, he operated a pharmacy. He got married quite early at the um, age of 22 and later had six children. And he started studying yoga around, around this time and opened a yoga school and a publishing house. And he called himself Shoka Asahara in the late, late 1980s. And he called his yoga group Am Shinrikyo, which means supreme truth. So, I mean, you, 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 that's him. As to his beliefs, like many Japanese new religions, um, they were syncretic, meaning that he he picked and he picked the the beliefs that he wanted for his um, own purposes. So there was a mix of Buddhism, uh, Hinduism. Uh, there were apocalyptic Christian beliefs. There was Nostradamus, um, Taoism. It was a mishmash. Now. We were just talking about how members of the group ran for uh, government. You were saying that they ha- would put up entertainment outside of of the, of the subways. Uh, train stations. What was was that? Uh, yeah, the train stations. What, were they trying to? Was that their campaign, or what was the purpose of these shows? Maybe I shouldn't have described them as um, entertainment because there was sheer embarrassment. They'd be singing uh, uh, weird songs and they'd be dancing, and um, it was to it was their um, way of electioneering, I guess. And they wanted to be noticed. Uh, you know, most people say that because they were defeated so soundly uh, that all this was a failure, but in actual fact. Through these uh, stage performances uh, outside train stations, they were able to distribute, you know, hundreds of thousands of pamphlets and probably found sympathetic members through some of that um, material. Do do we know how uh, Shoka Asahara's preachings changed after um, none of the people in the group were elected? Right. Um, well, he was apparently very humiliated, but um, it didn't stop him. And perhaps it made him more paranoid. Also, he didn't sit back and take public criticism. He attacked, meaning he attacked through the courts, through harassment, and also with violence. There were apparently kidnappings, murder, um, attempts at um, using uh, biological weapons. Mm. What kind of people were drawn to Aum, uh, how and how were they used within the organization? Well, many of those high up in the organization were graduates of uh, famous universities. So we're talking about Tokyo, Waseda, Kyoto. They were ambitious, but there are also a lot of members who weren't particularly well educated. They might have gone to university, but they were lost and they couldn't apply themselves. They couldn't see the value of what they'd learned. Um, Aum recruited lots of doctors and scientists, and they were given important roles heading ministries such as the Ministry of Healing, the Ministry of Health and Welfare. Um, And Asahara targeted young people um, 
and used his publishing arms. So he used manga, he also used anime to spread his teachings. So this was quite attractive to younger people. And um, there was a supposedly an occult boom and a lot of people were interested in his claims of being able to levitate, to see through walls, to read minds and all this kind of nonsense. And, and I'm assuming this is how other members were recruited. Is that correct? There would have been many different ways of recruiting people. I knew people who, who had been not recruited, but had been approached in bookshops, for instance. And it wasn't just Armstrong Rikyo doing that. There'd be other um, religious organizations or other organizations going up to people in bookshops who, who might be in the religion section. Um, and, you know, asking them if they um, wanted to join them for a meal, um, for yoga, things like that. So there were different ways of recruiting members. And actually, recently, I, I heard that during the pandemic, an offshoot of Amshin Rikyo, Aleph, uh, were targeting lonely university students. So I guess fewer and fewer people were actually going to um, class but somehow they were being approached online um, because they were seen to be perhaps lonely. So the Sarin attack in 1995 was actually not the group's first. In 1994, um, they did a trial run releasing sarin gas in a residential area of Matsumoto City. What was the extent of that damage? And did authorities suspect that Alm was behind the attack at the time? So about 10 months before the subway attack, um, Shinrikyo attacked an area in Matsumoto with sarin and ended up killing seven people and poisoning hundreds of others. others. Um, they were apparently targeting three judges who were presiding in a fraud trial concerning land transactions. So uh, these um, Shinrikyo members had wanted to disrupt the trial and they had, they had sprayed uh, sarin um, from the tops of van, a van or vans, I'm not sure. And um, did authorities suspect? Um, it's really hard to know. You know, um, unfortunately, for months after uh, this incident, Police and the media pointed the finger at one of the victims, and this person was called Poison Gas Man. Uh, apparently, a lot of pesticides had been found at his home, and even though these pesticides couldn't have been used to produce sarin, everyone believed that this man was to blame. So the attention was on the wrong person. Whether or not the police suspected otherwise, I'm not sure. After the attack that happened um, on the subway in 1995, how and when do authorities track down the members of Aum Shinriko that were actually involved in that attack? There was a huge dragnet. I mean, there were thousands of checkpoints. There were tens of thousands of police who were mobilized. And there were, as I mentioned before, there were wanted, most wanted posters at um, all train stations, and as our members were caught, they'd be crossed off. And, um, you know, it's just interestingly, this continued for years, and only 10 years ago, uh, police arrested the last 
Am Shinriko fugitive they'd been looking for. This is 17 years after the incident. He was um, Asahara's bodyguard or one of his bodyguards, and he was recognized in a cafe. So police had been circulating new pictures of this of this person, and someone working at the cafe had recognized him and reported him to police. So he was taken in. You know, uh, lots of photos, as I said, were, were, were handed out. And um, there were lots of people, almost 200 people um, from ARM who were prosecuted for various, various crimes committed by the group. And what was their fate? What was the higher-ups' fate? And could you tell us more about the fate of their leader, Shoko Asahara? Shoko Asahara was uh, executed. He was hanged in 2018. Uh, That was more than um, 11 years after his conviction. So he was on death row for about 11 years. And um, I think uh, the higher-ups, there were about 13 of them, they, they were all executed by hanging. Others had uh, less serious charges laid on them. I mean, uh, at the time, police were um, arresting members who were lower down in the food chain and bringing them in for very minor um, infractions like uh, traffic infringements, things like that, just because they wanted to hold them and perhaps to extract confessions from them. Now, is hanging a typical form of execution in Japan? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes. Yes. Now, is the uh, is Amshin Rikyo still active? As far as I know, there are three successor groups. There may be more, uh, which remain active, and that's according to the Public Security Intelligence Agency. So, in two thousand and seven, it split into a group called Aleph and a splinter group called Yamada no Shudan, in addition to another group called Hikari no Wa, which is the circle of uh, Light, and that is led by someone called Fumihiro Joyu, who was very high up in the chain of command. And uh, he's been described as one of the masterminds of the subway attack, but he just didn't, he wasn't in Japan on the day of the attack. Now, he succeeded Asahara as um, uh, armed spokesperson, and he later denounced Asahara and violence. But uh, he leads this group called Hikari Noa. What changes have come about following the sarin attack? I can talk about uh, practical changes. I was in Tokyo just a couple of months ago, and um, my husband was complaining that there weren't very many or any uh, bins in public places. And I remembered that uh, just after the attack, bins on uh, platforms were sealed shut or removed, and I don't think they've been returned. You know, people think it's it's uh, by the Tokyo government to ensure that the streets are clean because you're forced to take your rubbish with you. But um, there is a more sinister reason for the lack of public bins on streets. I mean, um, in other ways, Japan um, changed the way it thought about terrorism. So they didn't just focus on uh, hostage taking. They didn't just focus on left-wing activities. Uh, In uh, the year 2000, I think, they held their first uh, conference on bioterrorism. So, you know, they they realized that they had to get serious about nerve agents and to educate people, uh, medical staff and volunteers, 
about uh, chemical and biological weapons. And I, I've heard um, criminologists say that um, after, after the attack, fear of crime really increased and victims' uh, rights groups gained enormously in power. And judges started sentencing more prisoners to death. Now, Charmaine, we always ask our our guest experts this question, and I'm curious what you'll say about it. Um, At the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame for the 1995 Tokyo Metro Sarin attack, who or what would that be? That's a really tough question, but um, I'm reminded of something historian Howard Zinn said, which was that historically the most terrible things have resulted not from disobedience, but from obedience. Now, he was talking about civil obedience and disobedience, but I think it applies in this situation too. You know, if more disciples had challenged what they'd been ordered to do and questioned the new rules they were subjected to under um, maybe the sarin gas attack and the many murders and attempted assassinations would not have happened. Wow, that's incredible response. <laughs> Thank you so much, Charmaine, for uh, helping us understand this v- very scary and uh, shockingly, you know, it feels like it, it could happen at any point, anywhere. Um, tragedy. Well, religions and new religious movements arise to meet needs in society and human nature hasn't changed. Thank you. That's scary. That's, that's the scariest thing you've said. (laughs) Thank you so much, Charmaine. Thank you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Alarmist. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. It was fascinating to speak to someone who was actually there at the time that the gas attacks happened. And just to hear her talk about how um, how it's still very vivid. I mean, the way she was yeah. retelling, it was you could tell, you could see how terrifying it was just from right. her tone of voice. Yeah. Her description. High alert. About like, yes. I, I, that's what I kept thinking, high alert. And I know this is like kind of, intense but the three of us were all in new york city when the 9-11 attacks happened and i was really getting kind of like flashes of just like the panic of it all. oh my god like just I kept, how scary that all was you know yes i kept thinking about that as well yes um i mean with the added added layer of the fact that these criminals weren't caught yet yes the terrorists right. were right there or could be still there in the city um was frightening and the other image that kind of stuck with me was the police carrying the canaries yes Mm. that would have been so um right i don't know there's something so scary about that well it it almost sounds like a like a fantasy like out of a a a fantasy book or something right i know we see these things on movies so much that it's like it's easy just to go into that like fictional world because it's too depressing and scary to think about as reality but yeah like it's all i I don't know why i kept thinking it was like it it was like an image of that you might have seen in the hunger games movies or something right yeah Yeah, the x's over the posters when she was describing the posters of the suspects and they would put an x when they were found felt very not very surreal yeah. Yes. Now, she, I thought what, you know, she ended up sending to the alarmist jail, what, which was obedience, too much mm-hmm. obedience. <laughs> right. Like a right. blind, just like yeah. not questioning your circumstances or just that, yeah, blind obedience. I found it fascinating. Um, and, and, you know, in her describing um, Shinriko and, and the, you know, the, how they uh, brought new members and, and, you know, them putting on those 
shows outside of the mm-hmm. the sub the metro the train stations mm-hmm. um it's yeah which i i mean having spent many years in new york city i've seen my fair share of kind of kooky shows outside of a subway train it's kind of um it's a little bit sinister to think about one of those shows having such ulterior motives, right? Like I'm never walking through right. the subway back in my New York days. I wasn't thinking that these people are like recruiting people for like some kind of political or revolutionary movement. They were just putting on a show in, in the train, but I guess it was effective. I mean, like she said, they were able to distribute tens of thousands of pamphlets to people. Mm-hmm. And it, right. People were hooked. Although now that I think about it, you know, I remember getting off at Union Square, you know, off the subway at Union Square and having people hand you so mostly it was Scientology, right? Yeah, the stress test. Yes. Be doing the stress test and and give you, passing you flyers. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a similar mm-hmm. situation, uh, but of course, much more sinister. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because traffic, there was an actual attack. High yeah. volume of people. So you're, you're, you know, they position themselves in places where they'll get the most amount of eyes on them. I thought it was also right. thinking about um, members of Om Shinrico, uh sort of putting themselves up as candidates for positions of government was mm. kind of insidious and scary in the sense that, you know, Obviously, what happened after, um, you know, shined a light on what their motives were. Um, And, you know, using the political angle as a way to almost like legitimize their their vision Mm -hmm. for the world. Right. Yeah. You know, it it was sort of spooky. I mean, we have some... There's some crossover. I feel like what's going on currently, where you have people with some pretty extreme ideas in American politics who are right, right. and during the political sure. spectrum, until like you said, Chris, giving almost like giving you credibility because now you're an elected official, and mm. somehow there's like right. suddenly that's a credential, you know? Right. Yeah. So, how do we feel about sending blind obedience? to the alarmist jail. Now, Clayton, can you remind us what we actually ended up sending sure. to the alarmist jail so and what got the slap? We had three for this one okay. um, at the request of Georgia. We right. did do it backhand. We threw Shoko Asahara himself uh, in jail mm-hmm. and we gave the big slap to um, Shinriko. And the reason we did that, if you recall, is we were, it was really focusing on these followers who were not just questioning yeah, who carried out, like we discussed, like really awful gas attack. I mean, they they were, it was a premeditated, very violent, deadly plan that mm-hmm. they acted on. So mm-hmm. that's why we got the big, they got the big slap. And then the last decade was what got the backhand. Um, right, right. The kind of this, the, the what set the stage, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I think... I think we should change that slap to blind obedience. Sure. Mm -hmm. Because I think that really encapsulates what we were trying to say much better. I think it does too. Right? I like it. Okay. Um, Okay, I'm going to call it. Blind obedience. You're getting the big slap. It's interesting because I, I, I tend 
I veer towards obedience, <laughs> like right, following sure. rules. You're a deferential person. Yeah, you sort of assume the best of these rules and rule makers. I mean, I think I I do too. I think we all do to right. a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Have a lot of faith in 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 our systems that are in place. I mean that that's the I think that is so important, and that we like to be teaching people to question authority. I think that's why it's so important, you know, to have free press here in America, mm-hmm. like or in any country, you have to be able to question people in positions of power. Yes. And not just feel like because you are in charge, you know what's best. And so we just follow you blindly because humans, as Charmaine said, human nature has not changed. Yes. Right? <laughs> that's really the one right. consistent thing. And humans are, you know, we have faults, we have bias, we have our own desires we- and hungers, weaknesses. and it's not always the most pure. Mm-hmm. Very true. <sighs> question, but also follow rules, but then question them again, but then mm. dis- make decisions and then follow them. <laughs> so it's a process. It's mm-hmm. a process. Now, before we go, Clayton, I know that um, I-, I was wondering if you could uh, read uh, uh, one of the latest reviews uh, mm. and take this time to, you know, a- actually welcome some, uh, we, we've we recently gotten a bunch of new uh, listeners um, from uh, some of you are coming from the Office Ladies podcast or word of mouth. Um, mm-hmm. So welcome everyone to the Alarmy. We're so excited to have you here and to learn with you. And, Perhaps you might feel inspired to leave us a five-star review. And Clayton, what what would it sound like <laughs> if you were going to do that sort of thing? Sure. I can give you one right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from C1207, informative and entertaining. Found this pod through a recent episode of The Office Ladies. Oh, and yes. I've been binging since. <laughs> I've learned about a ton of events that I had no idea happened. And they're funny. There you go. So easy, to the point, simple, uh, and it's much appreciated because, as mm-hmm. you know, it helps us keep the mics on here at The Alarmist. Now, I have a question. Uh-huh. Why did The Office Ladies talk about The Alarmist podcast? Did you guys know? I don't know. Yeah. No idea. Did it happen do you, to Do you, Clayton? Clayton? Do I know why? Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. called them and I told them that they had okay. to. <laughs> well, no. no. I don't know. No, I think that. I know what Chris is getting at. And we do... <laughs> We do have a famous actor. Yes. <laughs> the two well, cent uh, guy. Come on, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um, Chris, what was the name of the episode? The seminar, right? That yes. was the name of the office episode. The office hey. episode called The Seminar. Yeah. It was in, I believe, season seven. Okay. And uh, you know, your boy Chris had a little, you know, speaking. It's role a great cameo it, it, up in the front. You you know, you might get excited to see Fact Checker Chris on the screen so give it a watch who knows and that you know that actually will get more residuals right chris exactly (laughs) chris is just trying to get more residuals (laughs) just trying to work the residual count up a little bit but very special thank you to their very kind mention of the alarmist (laughs) and they called us smart hey wow i know that was the the first time one of the first times we've been called smart (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, I'll take it. That's, that doesn't happen it. all the time. I, no, so. it it really doesn't. So we are excited about that. <laughs> yes, very excited. <laughs> now stay tuned because next week we are going to be discussing the Boston Tea Party. Big, big one. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.